shad again. A little worse for wear. After taking down the strange purple mushrooms, we turned back to check out the strange elevator in the small circular room, finding it leads to a secret yet familiar passage in the level above. After resting our weary bones, we head back to speak with Orgrail, who has found some books on Mullabin's list. Investigating the room south of the library, we find more ghoul cultists worshipping a decaying and grotesque mound of eyes, teeth and flesh, surrounded by effigies of bone and hair. With effort, we combat the spell-slinging creatures as they demand submission and Gildo defiles their shrine. It is then that Physic notices the mass of flesh is a dead creature, known as a gibbering mouther. Welcome to another episode of Uncharted North uh, presents Stemming the Tide. I'm sorry, I'm not good at these yet. I we just did an episode of ET, and like that's my warm up. So I, uh, I constantly fuck these up. Uh, but this is uh, this is Stemming the Tide. This is episode 33. God damn. And uh, well, I think I think I think this I think this is going to be a good one. It's the first one of the night, so we're all a little tense. We're not in a not in a character voice. We got to shake it off. Shake it off. Jazz hands. I did my pre warm up routine today, and that uh, actually made me wonder: is do you guys have any routines that you follow, like morning routines or anything anything of that ilk that you like always follow to the best of your ability that either sets you up for success or just makes things easier. Oh man! Yeah, don't don't jump uh, at this one, really? everyone. <laughs> <laughs> not not really. I mean, I've no doubt in my mind that you, James, are just have a a a a, a, a thousand routines in one. Um, but uh, I uh, I have very few. I think any routines I do have are are pretty loosey goosey. So they're not like certainly not timed or, or specific time of day all the time or whatever I, I think probably one of the bigger ones that stands out is the prep of my bar you know when i have a bar to prep so when i go to work it's like okay start with this because that needs to be done first because it might take a little bit longer um you know passively once i get it started you know so you know, stuff like like you know getting the dishwasher ready or you know at one place i'm working now we have like a um uh, alcoholic slushy so make sure to turn that fill uh, fill and fill uh, fill and turn on that slushy machine because it's going to take some time to one fix. for the machine and one then, for you 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you work at a bar with just, a slushy machine? Yeah, also yeah, that's wild. Yeah, I do, yeah. Um, it's a blueberry lemonade right now. It's pretty tasty. Mm. But um, yeah, I just uh, I guess setting up the bar is the only thing that really, really, truly comes to mind. Otherwise, I could use more routines, that's for sure. But uh, oh, yeah. I, everything, I do everything quite sporadically for the most part. So, okay. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy that you haven't just like fallen into like a morning routine or a nighttime routine or anything like that. Yeah, no. I mean, my work schedule is so generally or historically quite in, uh, inconsistent. So, well, don't think of routines as something that's like time based, right? Like it doesn't happen at seven a.m. every day. It's just this series of things that you do to set yourself up. Uh, yeah, no, I, I just not really. No, <laughs> it's kind of kind of strange. I have more routines with podcasting now. Now that we've been started doing okay. a couple of years back, now more routines for that build up. But that's that's about it. <laughs> Uh, my routine is no routine. No, that's not entirely true. I mean, I do the same thing every morning, but it's basically wake up too late, hit the snooze button too many times, run out of there, hop in the shower, brush my teeth in the shower, and then immediately peel off into the kitchen, get the coffee going while I'm making my lunch, grab the coffee, and yell goodbye as I run my way out the door and try not to get to work <laughs> late late. <laughs> I mean, you're union, so you can't be fired. So yeah, fine. it gets better once it's summer because it actually takes me less time to bike to work than it does to drive to work, and it's less stressful. So yeah. I'm looking forward to that. That's fair. So I have a question about that, it, and I I have this question for everybody who who brushes their teeth in the shower: Is this a convenience thing or like a necessity? <laughs> convenience entirely, both. <laughs> okay, like it's so unpleasant to brush your teeth with warm water. But it's such a time saver. But I brush my teeth violently, so if I don't brush my teeth in the shower, it gets toothpaste all over the mirror, and then I have to clean it after. Let's let's back that up. Brush your teeth violently. Yeah, I don't know, man. Hard and fast. One out of ten dentists recommend brushing your teeth violently. <laughs> Whatever you you wake up and you, every morning, I just picture that you wake up every morning and you go, "I gotta take a bloody shower," and you mean it quite literally because you just your gums are bleeding every time you're in the shower, just aggressively <laughs> assaulting your gum line. I have great toothbrush. great dental hygiene. I mean, you wouldn't know it because viewers or listeners, you can't see this because. <laughs> <laughs> you're probably listening <laughs> but i have a chip front tooth right now from a yeah. rogue skiing accident but beauty other than that <laughs> great teeth skiing is terrible for the dental hygiene just, just so you know <laughs> mm. rogue skiing uh, he was he was very specific about it being rogue skiing <laughs> rogue skiing <laughs> i was get, getting up to all sorts of nonsense and doing things i had no business doing <laughs> that's that's crazy to me that you guys just like haven't accidentally backwardly fallen into like a morning routine or like a nighttime routine i i don't know that the chaos of your lives is just unbearable <laughs> i i used to have a morning routine when i had like an actual steady job that had the same thing going on every day but now it's like i might get woken up at 5 30 in the morning by a phone call saying something is broken right or i might be able to sleep in a bit so <laughs> uh, i mean yeah my morning routine right now is Allowing myself to wake up and knowing that something has not caught on fire. <laughs> I mean, that's that's a solid way to wake up, knowing things aren't on fire. Yeah, better than the alternative, that's crazy. for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Than the staying asleep while they're on fire. <laughs> so I uh, obviously, I'm sure you guys have have picked up that I do have um, 
I don't want to say all of the routines, but I feel like everything <laughs> in my life has been regimented to the point where I can spend my mental energy elsewhere. Uh, so I have both a morning routine and a nighttime routine, and I'm constantly working on the nighttime routine. And I really want to get better at it, like making my lunch for the next day, grinding the coffee, all that stuff. But every night before I go to bed, I pull my clothes out for the next day and I charge my phone. But the mornings are, are my time to shine almost without fail. Like if I have to be at work for six or if I have to be at work for 10, I'm always up an hour to an hour and a half before I have to leave the house. Because one of my favorite things is that hour of like quiet alone time in the morning that I get by myself. Mm. I always wake up. The first thing I do is I brush my teeth. I I start the coffee water and then I feed the pigs, um, which you actually might be able to hear them guest starring tonight because <laughs> they're going fucking wild. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we we've been pretty uh, judicially cutting out the pigs before now, but <laughs> they, they should probably be guest stars. <laughs> yeah. And these are today. guinea pigs, for the record, yes. listeners, not yeah, like yeah. a herd of potbelly pigs. <laughs> James records on a on a pork farm. <laughs> oh, maybe one day, maybe one day. Um, but then with my first cup of coffee, I just sit down at my desk, put my feet up, and watch like an hour of YouTube, and like that's. Mm like my time there's there's few things i love more in life than like that first quiet hour of the day it's still dark outside warm cup of coffee and just like bullshit tech news on youtube oh absolutely yeah there was a time in my life when i worked afternoons like i worked uh 2 p.m to 9 p.m money shift if you ever get the chance to do that <laughs> but uh it would be i'd wake up at like 5 or 6 a.m and go on like a 5k run and then go get breakfast and just have a coffee and read a book or something. And having that like period in the pre-dawn is there is nothing one quite of the most like having a, a quite a, a good stretch of time, but not too much before you got to go to work. Yeah, I, I, I've seldom had it, but I do I do really appreciate it. I do want to butt in here real quick and just shout out me because <laughs> <laughs> whilst I was thinking about potbelly pigs, actually a group of guinea pigs is called a herd. And yeah. then oh, is it cool. regular pigs is a drift, a drove, drift or drove. Oh, a drift of figs, a drove of pigs. That's mm. great. I knew drove. I've never heard drift before. That's awesome. Um, but when I have it with that last half hour, uh, that's when I check my to-do list in my calendar for the day. So I try to spend an hour just making coffee, relaxing, and then I ease into my day with the to-do list in the calendar before I head out the door. Uh, and I'll bake my lunch in that time if I've been lazy and didn't make it the night before or or got too drunk or baked or or what have you and just just waved it off. But I know I've mentioned it before and I think I think only James has seen it firsthand. But I've been thinking lately about having like setting myself up a little bit more like that to have like, you know, sit with a coffee and read a book at the start of the day or something like that, read a chapter. Um, but like I, I live so minimally, I don't own anything. I don't have a couch. I don't even have a table. I don't have a chair to sit in other than my computer chair. Like I don't own anything and it, to the point of like i genuinely inconvenience myself with how little i own <laughs> i don't i wouldn't lump that in minimalism i think that it's <laughs> it's something entirely different <laughs> i mean i'm in the same boat man i i have a couch that i didn't get into my actual apartment i just have it in the sunroom that's outside of my apartment and i've never sat on it <laughs> we'll just call it barnism classic barn Barnerism? Barnerism? Yeah. Were you born in a barn, you son of a bitch? <laughs> You're a barnbarian? <laughs> I'm just a terrible person if I don't get that morning routine out. If I, if I don't have that hour before I have to leave the house, I just 
I'm so grumpy and shitty. Uh, and it's something that I, I didn't figure out until, you know, the last like two or three years is that I need that time. But, you know, if I've got to be at work for six, I'm up at 435. If I've got to be at work for 10, I'm up at six or eight. Yeah, I'm kind of the opposite. I can get up and go and just like do my day. But if I don't have about an hour, an hour and a half to just completely decompress at the end of the day, I'm going to be the biggest piece of shit in the world. <laughs> right. I get that, too. Um, that's that's a little less important for me because I've I've made my life where this is pretty much the only socializing I do. And <laughs> this is the only group activity I have. So I don't really have a whole lot to decompress from. <laughs> A large part of the stress in my life is has come from working in a team. Um, so <laughs> having having removed that yeah. is, has been one. Yeah, turns out hell really is other people. <laughs> oh, that hell is a group project. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to podcasting. <laughs> I think I think Aristotle once said. Dot, dot, dot. Oh man. Well, I mean, I guess I'm the only one who has a who has a morning routine or 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 a nighttime routine, but. I, I do love it, and I do love my rituals. And now that we've gone over the lack of your rituals, maybe we should investigate the one that we just broke up. Oh, <laughs> son of a bitch! Oh you son How long ago of did you come up with bitch. that one? Uh, yesterday, I think. <laughs> at least someone's putting in the work around here. He's been barring. I'm looking at you. Oh man, segways are not my forte. We all know this, and I don't mind. <laughs> it's like my handwriting. I have no desire to improve it <laughs> at all. I, just, I, I will avoid it at all I think that's my best one yet, but it's not good. Uh, yeah, it, was, it wasn't great. Well, the bar is set so low. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. I mean, you're not wrong. I mean, you, you broke up uh, I mean, what appeared to be a ritual anyway. Speaking of intro banter, let's check out this gibbering mouth. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, you, you killed these two. These two. <laughs> You've killed these two cultists in this room where there's a bunch of decaying flesh on the floor, uh, which I think was Physic who correctly identified it as a dead gibbering mouther, which is uh, a, uh, a, a a creature of some kind. I can give you a little information on it in a moment. But also in this room, I mean, these, these things were treating this mound of flesh very reverentially and were st- like quite quite stunned and offended that you even bothered i think someone stepped on it stood on it might have been gilda gilda did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they did not like that to them it was sacred and pure flesh it had caused them to be slowed one both for the whole combat there's also 12 effigies surrounding um these little tiny humanoid effigies surrounding the uh the mass of bones and tangled knotted hair and flesh what do the effigies look like uh, just like humanoid shape, um, they kind of honestly resemble the cultists themselves. What are they, just like corpses or something? No, they're just like little, like, you know, like an effigy is like a little, uh, like, sort of makeshift construction. Yeah, we've all seen the Blair Witch Project. We all know what effigies are. You're just doing a shit job of describing what these ones okay, are. Okay, ask me the, <laughs> what question are you asking then? <laughs> I said they're tiny humanoid effigies that look like the cultists. What, what more do you want? Are they made out of stone? Are they made out of glass? Are they made out of... Uh, they're made out of bones and hair. Thank you. Uh, is there anything on the walls? No. It is uh, otherwise quite empty room. This seems to be the... This, the the, the main point of the room is this pile of flesh and and discussing this. <laughs> Boy, does it stink! Are these um, 
are these like uh, like like voodoo dolls positioned in any particular pattern, or are they they're just, just like, like a, in a space? circle around the um, the mound in the center? A random smattering of effigies. Yeah. So they're what's creating the summoning circle. Okay. Um, you can roll me like an occult check, perhaps to to determine if that if there is uh, something some sort of ritual happening here. I would say uh, occult or arcana. I guess I would accept. Um, I I got good occult. If... Yeah, I got a ten occult now. I would also take a a perception check for or no, uh, sorry. Um, what did I take here? A sort of d- a deductive reasoning check uh, of some kind. <laughs> oh, I didn't that's, see that on my that's character. That's codified. <laughs> book. I know that I one. I'm, I'm stumbling here. I'm having a having a moment. Barn, how many beers you had today? Uh, I don't know, only four or five. <laughs> Isn't it like eight p.m. there? <laughs> no, no, it's twenty after six. All right. So, uh, would anyone like to aid me on my <laughs> so occult? <much> here? <laughs> uh, I can attempt an aid, but. My occulted real bad. Dunk dog? I could attempt an aid. Yeah, I get a plus nine on occult. Uh, I got a natural 20 for a 25. Okay. Uh, let's go with you. You, Tulak, I brought it for you already. Um, you, Tulak, you uh, don't, you don't seem, you don't pick up on, on uh, this being an actual ritual of any kind. It's a great suspicion, but like nothing, there is not enough to add up here. Um, you think that this was just dragged into here and left to rot and was worshipped for some reason. Um, these cultists clearly love um, decaying flesh as a meal, but they're, they you know they have some reverence toward it as well. So you have no reason to think there was a, a, a ritual of any particular kind happening here. It's just like, in fact, um, here, let me, uh, I'm going to roll another check for you. Yeah, you start to, to look around, you think, you start to think that maybe these effigies just represent each member of the cult mm. as if to represent their, their constant devotion, even in absence. If I fired out a detect magic, what do, what am I, what am I working with? Um, nothing. Interesting. The only magic in this room would have been the spellcasting ability of those cultists on their person. They only have uh, the decaying flesh uh, lumps like that hang around their neck that they were eating to heal themselves. Tulak pulls one of the effigies. How big are they? Uh, They're tiny. So they're, yeah, they're like, you know, at most, one of the bigger ones might be at most like a foot long. Tulak puts the smallest one into his backpack. Okay. And he turns to the party and says, I don't think there's anything going on here of magic. It just appears that they are reverent towards this massive guts and gore. I don't understand their purpose, but perhaps we'll do it a little bit more research to understand what's going on here. Yeah, can we just get out of this room now? Um, I I do. Uh, boy, is it is it is it nasty in here? The uh, the smell it just kind of takes over, doesn't it? It is clearly disgusting. Uh, and Gilda will enter the library uh, and inform. Augrail of the new corpses for him to feast upon. That sounds delicious. I gotta say, Augrail, quite the stack of bodies to eat. <laughs> He'd be good for a while, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think if there's three in that other room, there's like five here, there's two there. Whew. 
I like to think that he's just going to get absolutely bloated like that uh, that big fat vampire from the first Blade movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Stretch Deacon the Frost as Lamagra. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, oh, uh, the um, the hey. the computer uh, in the basement of the restaurant in the hotel. Yeah, that she fries with the uh, the, with UV the UV light. torch with the car yeah. battery glued on. The yeah, bottom. it starts it starts yeah. with a P. That's all I know. Deacon Frost, so hot right now. <laughs> Deacon Frost. Uh, that reminds me that I forgot on your last level up uh, in the episode. I I said, oh, you know, someone gave me shit about maybe not having him ready. Um, and I said, no, no, I did, I did my my work, but we never actually covered what what his level up looked like. Oh, so I'm just gonna I'll quickly go over it. Uh, in that level up, he he got a, a couple increases. Pearl, it was pearl. It was <laughs> pearl. pearl. Yeah, <laughs> nicely done. Thank you. Okay, I'm listening. Um, <laughs> yeah, he got a he got a, a a boost of plus one to his perception. He got a plus two to his acrobatics. Uh, plus one to crafting and to thievery, and uh, plus one to fortitude and will. Uh, and of course, he increases HP, so eight uh, plus con for him. And his damage went up by two. So 1d6 plus three to 1d6 plus five. Not bad. So just small increases yeah. across the board, but like we all know that a, a literal difference of one can, can be huge in this game, so... Yeah, total just, shad just want to make shad. sure everyone knew what was going on there. And I'm using the creature building rules to sort of suss out what's appropriate to to increase there. Uh, to my point, I still have the bleed condition on me outside of combat. Does that? Uh, actually, yeah, it's a good point. I have I have a, a note here that says um, that actually mentions that for myself. Forgot to start this episode with my own notes. <laughs> get, get off to a good start. Great routine, Freeman. Uh, Shad's <laughs> enfeebled condition runs out soon, so it is removed. Um, and Tulak and Physic are both still bleeding. Yeah. So I need you both to roll me a flat, uh, a flat check of DC 15. Ooh, I think I critical failed. Five. Uh-oh. Uh, that, that is a critical fail. Although I don't think, I don't think you can critically fail or, or succeed on flat checks. So, uh, you just take one point of bleed damage. Uh, 13 from physics. Okay, that's also a fail, so you take one point of bleed damage, but y- I, you will now have the opportunity to, for someone to attempt an uh, administer first aid check to stop this before you have to roll again. Uh, physic, I believe I'm bleeding out of this wound, and it won't seem to stop. <laughs> or is that where that red stuff is? <laughs> <laughs> Says the doctor of the party. <laughs> uh, yeah, first aid check, Can I do? can I do it with crafting? Uh, yes, yep, you can. Oh, it was a five on the die, but a 17 total. Oh, I actually yeah. had a pretty dope crafting. That's actually not going to do it. Oh, shit. still not. Yeah, eh? I'm going by the okay. DC of the effect, which was the Grim Tendril spell. Um, so, uh, that was on two lock. Two lock, roll me another flat check 19. Okay, but you still take one damage because the damage time happens before the flat check. Uh, but yeah, uh, Gilda, did you want to attempt one in that same round on Physic? Yeah, I think so. Might as well. Do I lose the effect now? Yes. I got an eight on that medicine check. Uh, yeah, that's not gonna do it. Um, didn't didn't think so. Yeah. The seventeen is there, didn't is there, cut it. There's not a critical <laughs> failure effect on the administer first aid, is there? <laughs> I hope not. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, given our history, somebody 
might be getting killed by <laughs> the best of intentions <laughs> right now. <laughs> oh, boy. And redemption was James. Uh, there is a critical failure. Oh, no. What is uh, it? If you are trying to stabilize, if you're trying to stop bleeding, it immediately takes an amount of d- damage equal to its persistent bleed. So it just, physic just takes an extra one damage. So you're going to take another one right now. So take two bleed damage and roll me another flat check, physic. Can he not just like drink a healing potion or something? Could, but he spent, spent his action there. Two bleed, one flat check. <laughs> Two on the die. <laughs> okay, now now is your your opportunity if you want to just like use a hero point, maybe. Pop, no, you just pop like a lecture of life or something like that if you want, and just stop it. Call it a day. Oh, okay. Yes. Uh, Drink that shit. Yeah, I'll take a I'll take an elixir of life, a minor elixir of life, for one HP back. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, rolling hot tonight. You got to get them out of the way early. It's it's fine. So that would put me at uh, two down, one up, right? Yep. And then your bleeding stops, though, because you took healing. I, I wouldn't mind taking like a 30-minute break here, uh, which would put us back in line for treat wounds if you guys need it. I'm down sure. seven. I'm, but if you want to take a break. How, how low are you, Gilda? I'm a 30 of 56, but if we take 30 minutes, I automatically go back up to 60. Yeah, fuck okay. it. Let's do it. Can't believe Fine. that yeah. Aeon Stone. It's a low-level uh, Aeon Stone, too, and it's so powerful. Everybody you, everybody should get one. Well, it's I'll crazy. do it to... I'll, I'll do a Treat Wounds on myself, and because I have uh, Godless Healing, it will pretty much put me back up to full as well, so... Uh, if you... Let me know if you fail. If you fail, I can do uh, Lay on Hands, um, which you will do to two lock. Yeah, that's not a big if at all. I've never failed one of these checks before. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's 12 healing to 2 lock. Perfect. I critically failed. That's <laughs> minus 2d8 for you. <laughs> okay. He looks over, physics just stabbing himself. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell I'm are you I'm gonna doing? have to check how godless healing works in this case, because normally it would give me an automatic 5 HP, right? Fuck me running. That's <laughs> not good. Uh, do, oh, sorry, you have godless healing now, do you? I forget. Yeah, that was uh, my my skill feat for uh, level three, I believe. Uh, yeah, you gain an additional five HP on a successful attempt. On a success, yeah, that's not what I just did. Yeah, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> Quite the opposite. Two um, D eight, you say? You can always uh, spend it, your only hero point on that if you want, but. <laughs> uh, you know what? Actually, yes, I am going to use my it? hero point to reroll that. This is a rough start, boys. What do you get? A natural 20. (laughs) Nice. Uh, So I think it's kind of just given that I have full HP now because I'm only 11 HP down. (laughs) But Jesus fucking Christ, man. (laughs) All right. Well, you guys get yourselves uh, healed up and rested more or less. Yes. You're good. Yeah. I also managed to only roll five HP back for myself, which is embarrassing. What? <laughs> because even with the extra five <laughs> HP I get from Godless wow, Healing, you, it doesn't fully heal me. You really on forty-eight. You rolled five plus five. Oh, you rolled forty-eight. No, okay, I rolled two. It's I a critical that. success. Yeah, yeah, you get an additional five from your Godless yeah, Healing. Yeah, so it's forty-eight <laughs> plus five. Oh my god! 
I, next package I send you is going to be with a flash card, and it's just going to have the, the treat wounds rules on it. <laughs> that, that's I totally just, deserve you that. You just set yeah. that on your desktop background. <laughs> just the rules for treat wounds. <laughs> I have one from when I was playing Arthur. It just it's like like I have one for Gilda's um, like tenants and stuff, and it just sits in front of me. Oh shit. I thought you were being a sarcastic asshole, but those that would no, be dude. genuinely helpful. <laughs> <laughs> How useful these things are. Alright. So now that everyone is all healed up, basically, Tulok is gonna turn to Augrail. And he approaches him and says, Augrail, we are going to the north now. I know you've discussed with us that there are bad memories for you up here. We will not ask you to join us. But Stay here and continue going through the books. Make yourself useful if you can. And hopefully we'll have more corpses for you to eat later. Thank you, Master Tulak. I... I am afraid, but... But should you need me to call, I will do my best if I can conjure the courage. And you said that was up to the north and to the right, to the east, correct? That's correct. That is where the Morlocks came. It's where we passed through. It's where we we were devastated. I shan't ask you unless it's of extreme importance. Stay here. And with that, Tulok heads northwards through the library, glancing at the books as he goes, and heading towards Unknown. And Algrel just like, all too casually leans back on one of the divans, just like pops up on a book. <laughs> yeah, on, on the way out, Physic's just gonna clap him on the back. Keep reading, buddy. He's just eating fingers like chicken wings. <laughs> In that thirty minutes, I'm just gonna do a quick crafting check to see if I can bring my shield back up, uh, and I cannot. Uh, would you like Physic to give it a shot? Yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, physic rolled to 20. That will be 11 HP back, or 11... Nice. Perfect. I was only down 10, so I'm up to full and my shield's back up. Tulok heads to the northwest... Northwest. Northwest is my favorite phrase ever. So that's, good. Uh, that's a GCP thing, isn't it? <laughs> Did oh, they start that at one point? That's a Todd thing. It's a Todd thing? As far as I remember. Who's Todd? Uh, our buddy from uh, Roll for Intent. Oh, Todd. Yeah. Todd. <laughs> Cut it all. Who the hell are you talking about? Anyways, we do our door shit. Do we hear anything? Do we detect magic? Yeah, you hear nothing, but you do detect magic. There's a presence of magic behind the door. It could be coming from the north or from the west. So be ready. And Tulok will tuck down into his sneaky stance with his wand of magic missile up. Physic will uh, draw his alchemical crossbow with a bolt in it, but he will not apply a alchemical item. Shad will uh, draw his rapier. The door is not locked, and there are no taps, uh, no traps detected. Okay. Gilda raises her shield and uh, taking the defend action and stands in front of the door. I also need to get better about saying that I'm actually taking that exploration activity. I assume most of the time. It's, it's right in line with Tulok's, uh, you know, uh, what's your magic shield, whatever? 
mage armor. And I know I always do it, but it's still one of those things where I every now and again I'm going to want to take the search action or the scout action to give us a boost to our initiative, but uh, not when we're opening doors in a mega dungeon at this point. Kick that uh, shit speaking down. Speaking of, she does that. So as the door finds herself a little five-foot hallway, leads to another door. This door has a little bit of light leaking out from underneath its edges, which is quite uncommon in this dungeon so far. Uh, Chad will push past Gilda and check for traps at that door as well. Same deal. Hears nothing, detects nothing. He will uh, pull back ten feet. Tulak nods to Gilda. She opens. Opening the door, you see an office that is brightly lit by several glowing lights in a chandelier hanging above a desk and chair. Mirrors on the north and south wall, uh, although both of them are cracked badly. The chandelier appears to be built in a way in which there is a single source of light in the center, but several crystals that reflect it, creating a bright light across the room consistently. Is there a good way to crack a mirror? Um, they said they were cracked badly. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, shout out Narky. There's a shadow of a chandelier on the floor. It's super cool. Yeah. Oh, wow. He's a legend, man. <laughs> Narky is a, a legend. legend. Yeah. These are so amazing. All right. Anything else before we step into the room? That's it. Just a simple desk and chair. A chandelier above you. Lit. I would like to take uh, the search action. Specifically the mirrors as she steps into the room. Physic would follow doing the search action for hidden doors or uh, traps around the walls. Tulak? Uh, Tulak will step in and also search. Uh, and he's going to search the desk. Okay. And Shad's just going to vibe. <laughs> Classic Shad. <laughs> um, so you all, you all step in and search your, your various parts of the room. Physic, you notice that this room is quite cool. Uh, I should say it's it's uh, it's just as cool as like the other rooms. Like chill to the judge, or no, no, no. Just it, it's just the, the 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 thing that stands out is that you have a burning torch above you on a chandelier, and this room is no warmer than any other room you've been in. Yeah, not not like Shad vibing out there. No, 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 not that kind of cool. No, no, no room could no room could meet his vibe. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, can he, he can he notice where uh, is it just generally a cold room or can he notice where it the 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 coolness is coming from? No, no, there's no. You don't think there's a source of coolness. It's that it's, that it's no different than the other rooms, despite there being a flame above your head. It's cramped quarters, so you would think there would at least be some increase of heat, but there isn't. Yeah, ever burning yeah. torch just yeah, shows up there. Yeah, so the, so it's not a natural flame, is what we can infer from that. Mayhaps. Uh, could I do an invest uh, some kind of investigation or knowledge check on the flame? Um, yeah, uh, you can roll me some sort of magic check if you like, um, or you can get up there and put your face in it and see what happens. He's gonna need a boost for that. Yeah, pretty pretty ambitious for a three foot tall creature. 
I guess Gilda could throw them. Yeah, just throw them at the Fastball chandelier. Special. Yeah, sure. <laughs> no one stands on her shield, and she just lifts it like an elevator. <laughs> uh, I'm not opposed to that. I'm pretty confident she could lift you, uh, if that's the way we want to go. <laughs> He's he can't be heavy. Let's go for it. <laughs> uh, Gilda will grab Physic by the waist uh, and and king of the world him up to the chandelier. Okay. And you detect no heat from this flame at all as you get closer to it. Just continuously burns and flickers in front of you. Tulok's looking up at this. Is it attached to anything the flame is it um, it's just sort of sitting in the center uh, this sort of center um, slot in the chandelier is it a torch yeah oh yeah yeah okay yeah so you can I can pull it out so physic if he notices and notices that it's not producing heat he'd like to reach out and try to grab the torch all right and you do and it is in fact an ever-burning torch a quite common item produces no heat requires no oxygen and um, if you, it can't be smothered, and you just have to, you have to basically cover it up to stop it from uh, exposing any light. It cannot be quenched or smothered. Well, I can see in the dark, so uh, any of you guys want this thing? Perhaps Shad. Yeah, Shad is what I was thinking as well. Yeah, I have the light spell with my compass. So what, what I'm thinking, my initial thoughts are like underwater or if we ever find ourselves in a room without oxygen but if you guys both have dark vision I am good I just have light on my Aeon stone just yeah like that, so yeah you're you get low light vision uh, to luck I believe but yeah yeah so we'll just pull the uh, the everburning torch into shad and he can be he can be the torch bearer for now what's going on with this desk Freeman nothing it's a plain desk with nothing on it no drawers, no secret drawers. Nothing. Okay. If I run my fingers across the wall, do I detect any hidden doors or alcoves or secrets? Not a thing. All right. Uh, Tulak moves towards the next door that's on the other side of the room. Mm, and this uh, does have something that stands out. There's a lock plate on the door that is stylized and engraved with a an open book. Hmm. So it's a lock that has an open book engraving. Yeah, well, it's, so it's like a lock in the door, like built into the door, but there's a plate mm-hmm. around it that has an engraving on it uh, of an open book. Well, not to call it a misnomer, but it doesn't seem like this is a really open book kind of situation here. <laughs> You're not wrong. Tulak looks at the door and steps back and mentions to Physic or to Shad to take a look. Yeah, Shad would like to uh, walk past and take a glance at it. Maybe pull out some thieves tools and try to uh, pick the lock if possible. And we're not entertaining the possibility that this is some sort of riddle? I mean, Hmm. speak. Knowledge is the key. Uh, Oh. Oh. All right, in hot with that one, but yeah, no, we're all shit. simple creatures at this point. Yeah, we so have no routine. We're the dumb. Uh, I mean, have shot investigated for traps by all means um, before he starts sliding picks in there, because this is the first time we've seen a lock plate of any sort, much less something with some sort of filigree. Yeah, he would. He would absolutely be uh, be investigating for traps before anything else. Uh, yeah, he detects nothing. 
And if he gets his tools in there, he quickly realizes there's a, a much more complex lock than usual. It will take multiple checks to get through in, in a pickle lock scenario. Well, I'm glad that it's you voicing that character so you can express it to the rest of the characters. <laughs> well, it seems here, friends, that um, uh, it's a more complex lock than usual. Uh, it'll take a bit of effort and time. Okay, give it a go if you like. Uh, do we know if the checks are always the same or become increasingly difficult? No, it's, uh, it is successive checks of the same uh, difficulty, but the risk is that if you critically fail, you could fuck the lock and not get in at all. You can also break down the door. That's always an option. <laughs> Physic would like to, to roll up and do another thievery check on it. To what end? Opening the door. Is is Physic doing the check or is Shad Shad picking the lock? Uh, Physic is doing the check. Okay, so Shad should aid then, or somebody should aid. Yeah, like we should not be doing any successive checks alone with that. No, idea. no, no. I'm gonna do guidance for one of them for sure. For join pasts. I don't know if you can do join pasts because not a recall knowledge. So yeah, he's got guidance as a cantrip instead, so that would okay. allow him to add. I can use my cooperative nature, but I only have a plus one to theory, so uh, I'll roll it. Uh, that's actually a, a 19. Oh, okay. That's not bad. Typical DC is 20, uh, oh, okay. but the GM might adjust this DC particularly hard or easy tasks. Adjust it, you <laughs> Well, I'm certainly not going to make it easier. Uh, so 19 total is not going to cut it. Okay. That's that's probably about as good as I'm going to be able to roll with a plus one to theory. So. Yeah. I got a, a plus nine, so we'll, we'll see. Okay, give it a shot. Uh, Shad should also attempt an aid. Uh, don't, don't. It's not going to happen. No? Did you already roll it? Well, go ahead and roll. Go, go ahead and try to aid, but, uh, yeah, I did roll. Does uh, he have bad? Yeah, he, he doesn't aid, and, uh, physical click, he rolled an 18, so, uh, Yeah, I got a 9 is, on the die for an 18. Yeah, that is a, a failure in your first check. What is the door made out of? Uh, it's pretty sturdy wood, but definitely break downable. Do we have any keys left? Uh, we have keys, but I'm just trying to remember if they were all accounted for. I have one key that we haven't used on anything. Oh, yeah. Let's see if the library key works on it, just for shits and giggles. What's the library key? Yeah. I mean, what is it? I don't know what you mean. Librarian's workroom and main library. Oh. Also, on the um, ring of keys, we have one that's decorated with books. Ooh. We have one with the lighthouse that opened the trap door and one decorated with books. Uh, the library key, you know, I think we already covered this, you know, opens the door where you where you uh, basically help that ghost find peace. Yeah, we get um, it. Yeah. But we're trying to use it here, too. Okay, so you give that one a go, and it, it, it does not work. Okay, what about the one from the Ring of Keys? The one with the books on it? Yeah, yes. that works. Oh, that'll do James, it. James, the tumblers all sit into, in, into the right spot. Now James gets his hero point. <laughs> Thank you. Hey. Uh, so they were like, oh, I wonder if they're going to remember if they have keys or not. <laughs> Uh, and that actually covers all of the keys that we had. He slots that key in. You can hear, again, you can hear the tumblers reacting appropriately. And click. Turn of the knob. Quick push. 
and anyone with a view can quickly see that there is a room that is exceptionally comfortable. With a thick carpet, bright light from a glowing chandelier and smooth and soothing incense. Two overstuffed chairs sit opposite a low table stacked with books, while more books sit on a set of shelves to the west. A softly gurgling fountain, carved to resemble a mossy skull leaking water, sits in the northwest corner. Sitting on one of the chairs is a two-foot-tall fairy-like creature with four diaphanous wings. Holding a book oversized for its person, it is focused on awkwardly balancing the book while tittering and cackling as it annotates the text within, with an equally oversized and awkward quill. The size and shape of a sickle. The creature looks like this, and is just tittering away. <laughs> it's got horns and a drapey robe, and these big old creepy eyes. I have to put a pin in the word diaphanous. I've never heard that before. But is that like the dragonfly wings where you get four, four dragonfly wings? wings. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Quit using your big book learning words on us. <laughs> uh, that it? That's it. He's just—he seems quite distracted. Uh, he's got these big bulbous like eyes and these little uh, sort of satyr-like horns that just sweep back over his head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's just scribbling away in the book. Okay, Tulok would like to edge his way past Physic and past Shad and steps into the room. Does the creature notice him? Yeah, you step into the room, and your shadow seems to seems to have an effect on the room. And he gets shocked for a moment, and he starts to fumble the book, and he quickly catches it, just barely. And he drops this, like, big, weird sickle quill to the floor, and he just turns his big, bulbous eyes towards you. Excuse me, friend, I do not wish to interrupt you. We are but strangers in this place. Are we welcome to join you for a moment? His eyes look at you with a a near expressionless face. And his brow seems to dip down in consternation. And he says, Light dwellers. (laughs) You dwell in the light. Because you think darkness is dangerous. (laughs) But it's not as dangerous as the light. Because <laughs> I will show you why the light is dangerous. <laughs> You've interrupted me, and you are cruel and awful and do not deserve. <laughs> I will show you why the light is so dangerous! Ah! Roll for initiative. I am Shimmergren, and you will fear the light! Whoa, okay. What a dick. Oh, I had such high hopes for this motherfucker. Jeez, Freeman. <laughs> Tulak, what do you got? <laughs> All right, Tulak has a fucking solid 12, baby. Yeah, boy. <gasps> boy. Solid, he says. Physic? Physic's got a 13. Lucky number 13. <laughs> okay, what about Shad? Want to roll Shad for me? Uh, Shad's coming in hot with a 24. Ooh, goddamn. Okay. And Lady Gilda. 
Gilda is right behind Shad with a 22, and I would like to clarify for the listeners that before we entered this room, I feverishly typed into the chat that she had taken the defend action. <laughs> yeah, I did notice that. <laughs> I did notice that. <laughs> yeah, that's all caps. It was all, in all caps. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wanted to make it clear before like we opened the door me. that I was no longer in an investigation because I want that shield yeah. bonus to my AC. <laughs> okay, top of the first round. Shimmergrin. Oh, really? Beat Shad on the 24. That's a... Shimmergrin rolled a natural 20. (laughs) Um, And raises its hand towards Tulak and just says, This is why the light is so dangerous. It is your enemy and you should fear it. And I need you to roll me a really, really very important fortitude save. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. As light starts to flash in front of your eyes. Brutal. 14. Okay. Um, That is a failure. It is not a critical failure. Good. You are blinded for one minute. Oh, sick. As this light just flashes in front of your eyes and just overwhelms your optical receptors. So... Six rounds of blindness. Ten rounds of blindness. <laughs> and then this creature uh, swipes at you with one of its claws for a 24 Let's to hit. Go. That'll do it, too. And you take eight slashing damage. Oh, boy. It is Shad's turn. Well, heck, I think, is uh, uh, yeah. the PG version of what Shad would have said right now. For anyone, we might as well cover Blinded real quick, because I think this might be the first time we've really properly encountered it. All normal terrain is difficult terrain for you. You can't detect anything using vision. You automatically critical fail perception checks that require you to see. You are immune to visual effects, of course, and this overrides Dazzled should you have that condition. I think you basically have to seek to locate your enemy, which is a perception check um, to locate their, their, uh, their location. You'll have to spend an action each turn for that, I believe. Because right now, this creature is um, undetected to you. Copy. I think you are flat-footed to it. Oh, when you pick a a square to attempt an attack, you must roll a flat check. DC 11 flat check. So it's basically like, yeah. Um, And then um, you you do have to seek to find out what square it's in, and then you have a 50% miss chance, essentially. Got it. Okay. Chat. I'm blind. I can't see. I mean, you probably all saw this quick flash. Yeah, yeah, that must have permeated through the room. Shad will attempt to move behind Shimmergrin doing a tumble through, which would be an acrobatic check. Um, well, you can you could probably skirt around the whole room if you needed to. Uh, yeah, I suppose, yeah. He's got uh, 35 feet of speed. So, yeah, he, he'd skirt around behind Shimmergrin into a flanking position. And okay. then uh, strike with the rapier. Uh, it's not going to be flanking, though, because Tulak can't, can't right. properly see. So, okay. it's a blind, baby. That's fair. Yeah. Okay, so uh, non-flat-footed, non-flanking, he's a t- uh, 20 to hit. That's a miss. Yikes. <laughs> Fucking yikes. Uh, yep. <laughs> Might be in trouble here, guys. I'm not gonna lie. Oh, 
Yay. Well, he is uh, nothing but persistent, so we'll take another shot with a map minus five. Jesus Christ. A two on the die for a six. Um, that's going to miss. Oh, again. I did it. Really? I didn't, didn't yeah. expect yeah. that. <laughs> just just okay. so you know. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for the clarification, bud. <laughs> and that's his turn. Okay. Uh, next up is going to be Lady Gilda. Yeah, so I have a I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. I essentially want to pull Tulak out of the room. This is shove mechanics. Okay, well, shove is away from you. Yeah, you, you just use shove mechanics in reverse. Okay. I was reading about this a couple weeks ago. Okay, good. So I will attempt to shove Tulak into the position where Shad once was. Uh, can I reach him through the door? Where? From where yeah, I don't. I don't see why not. You just reach around and try to get it. Do a quick, quick grab. Yeah. Uh, so that will be an athletics against his fortitude DC, and that is a twenty-eight. We good. Yeah, you good. Okay. So he will now be here. Uh, Gilda will then stride into the room, and now it's fine. <laughs> yeah. It's just a tough decision on whether or not I want to attack it. Yeah, you want to attack it. It makes well, it more dead. <laughs> I don't know, a raise shield is a good call. Yeah. Also, grapple is a solid opportunity here as well. That's true, yeah. It's just flat-footed. Grapple also means it's immobilized, so it won't be able to move while it's, while it's grappled. So if it wants to move, it'll have to roll an escape check. I think she's going to hit it. Uh, and she's also going to suggest a two-lock to take cover. So that is a 12 to hit. So obviously that is uh, the end of her turn. That's it. Okay. Physic. Uh, delay. Delay. Two-lock. Blinded. Stuck between your allies. Not quite sure where you are, but you've probably, you probably realize you've stepped back into the previous room or been pulled back. Yeah, he definitely felt... Gilda's like strong hands just grab him and pull him back. She's firm but gentle. I would like to animate undead. Oh, okay. And I don't need to be able to see to cast it, but my question is, will I know a free spot in the room to put it? Um I I feel like you have an idea what the room looks like. Um so uh, here's what I'm gonna think. If you plan to do it in the room, I'm gonna roll for which square it comes into. Because you, you're a little bit disoriented, but I, I don't see why. I, I, I certainly wouldn't tell you you can't. Um, so, um, cool. Uh, let's. So, yeah, I, I'm just gonna roll uh, a d10. Yeah, a d10. On a 10, we'll re-roll because there's nine squares. Um, the undead creature you're summoning is going to start to crawl up from under the rug underneath Lady Gilda which will shunt her to the side Okay. and which creature are you summoning? Yeah, so Tulok, uh, you just see him just blinking and ha- holding his hands to his face and as his eyes close and open again his pupil is gone and he mutters words under his breath and then the Festrog shunts Gilda to the side and raises up and would like to strike. <laughs> Classic Festron. Yes. Okay. Lady Gilda is uh, pushed yeah. towards the north, uh, toward another door. Um, and Festron is there. Uh, 
go for the yellow attack there. Yeah, so it's just me as disgusting jaws are attacking. And that is going to be a 16 to hit. So I miss. That's a miss. I mean, I've just generally never had so much affection for a shambling, rotting corpse. But <laughs> goddamn Festrock. <laughs> oh yeah, Festrock rocks. And then he's going to attack again. Uh, oof, another miss. That's a 13 with the claws. And that is Tulak's turn. Okay. Okay, it's top of the round with the Shimmergrin, unless Physic wants to interject here. Uh, he's really got nothing to do, so no. Okay. Shoot. F from two... Okay, yeah, sure. We can... Yeah. I mean, your shit's loaded. I, I might as well. It doesn't It doesn't stack. Remember that the, the cover there doesn't stack. When you no, when you have when you have multiple yeah, so it's just it's just lesser cover. Okay, so first first move will be uh, applying uh, alchemist fire, a lesser alchemist fire to the alchemical crossbow. Second move will be fire from lesser cover. Ooh, twenty six to hit. That'll hit. Yeah, dude. Nice battle hits. Okay, so that's eight piercing. Uh, okay. Plus three fire damage. Okay. First blood. Okay. They drew first blood. <laughs> Great episode. Second move will be to fire. Third move will be to reload. Okay. That brings us back to Shimmergrin, who is most displeased with the situation. He was so happy with it. <laughs> and um, Shimmergrin is going to... Hit balls. This is a tough one. You're trying uh, not to kill us right I now, think... aren't you? <laughs> no, I'm trying to pick a target. <laughs> You've all, everyone within reach has missed. The only thing that's hit was someone from way behind. Um, so I'm going to roll to see who I hit, uh, who's within reach here. Um, Shad will be, uh, I'm going to roll D6. Shad will be one or two. Gildo will be three or four. And Festrog five or hit six. The corpse, hit the corpse, hit the corpse, hit the corpse. Uh, it's a six. Sweet. All right. Uh, you say that, but it casts a spell on the Festrog um, with oh, a 23 God. to hit. Yeah, that'll that'll do it. Uh, and this is an undead creature, correct? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> so it takes 14 fire damage and 16 good damage. Jesus Christ. Festrog dead. And just blasting out of existence with a searing light spell. More dead than it was already. Jesus Christ. <laughs> as far as literal meat shields go, it's doing its job. Yeah, true. Yeah. True. Mm -hmm. uh, the fact that it was undead means it did an extra 5d6 good damage. Undead or fiend. That kind of gives you pause that apparently this enemy is giving like good damage out. Where it's literally good damage how do you argue with that <laughs> good is a, uh, but in this case Are it's like a more like a physical property than a than a, than a morality because <laughs> this creature is very evil um and uh at that point uh that's the two actions and then shimmergrin then um moves towards the far corner and uses its reaction to disappear that's what you want what is it reacting to uh, that's a good question. Uh, <laughs> Shad's turn. 
Wait, this is a good question. What is your reaction to? <laughs> That's a very good question. Do we know what is, the, what is the trigger? Yeah. The trick. I uh, will. I. I'll tell you. The trigger is its own move action, as okay. long as it's within bright light. Okay. Which this whole room is. Shad will get completely perturbed by seeing this thing disappear. He will take a five foot step southeast. You saw where it went, but it disappeared. Which means you can still attack. You can still attack a square, but it's the same deal as a two luck situation where um, it's like a DC 11 flat check to see if you strike true. Right. On top of your attack roll. Yeah. No, he's uh, he's going to take that step. He's going to draw his crossbow and load a bolt. Okay, that's him. Lady Gilda. I don't really have anything for this. I, I think none of us came prepared. Don't worry about it, bud. Yeah, so... She's gonna peek around the door at Blind Tulak, and I think took out the Festerlock with just one attack there, Tulak, and now it's gone invisible, so you're not the only one who's blind to it. Do you have anything that could help us here? I, I don't have any... I don't know. Perhaps if we bathe the room in darkness, but I don't have a spell like that. Can you quench the source of light? Uh, and the, the source of light is another chandelier, very similar to the one in the previous room. With her first two actions, she's going to reach into her backpack and pull out a piece of chalk. Okay. Would crushing the chalk be a third action? Uh, I don't know. What's your whole game plan here? <laughs> uh, she wants to make chalk dust and throw it at the square where we last saw the... Um, uh, nice. Where is the chalk stowed? It's in her backpack, so it's two, two mm. actions to pull. Yeah. Two actions to pull, then then yeah, I would say you're gonna have to take an extra action to make sure it's dusted off. Okay. She will she will pull out the piece of chalk, she will crush it in her hands. Shad, when it comes back, be ready. Physic, try and take care of that source of light. Maybe you can you drop the chandelier and, and lower its its radiance. To luck. You keep being you, I guess. <laughs> uh, and that'll be her turn. You just keep on keeping on. Bye, bye, buddy. All right. Two o'clock is sure. You cast anime dead again? <laughs> uh, yeah, I actually, that's literally what I'm gonna <laughs> I mean, it makes, it makes sense meat to me. <laughs> just toss another meat shield in there. Yeah. Okay. I will, so, I'll roll for the square again. Okay. Uh, who are you? Festrog again, you said? Another Festrog. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pops into the uh, southwest corner of the room right next to Shad. Just again crawling up from underneath the rug, like tearing it open on the floor. Well, that is yeah. Okay. Brains. And Tulak says, "Attack to the north in Necro." Okay. Sorry. Um, does the Festrog have scent or any other ability that's not sight-based? Mm, no, not that I can see. It just it says dark vision. Dark, dark vision. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry to cut you off there. No worries. It first action steps to the north, and second action would like to try to strike out into that square. Okay, roll me a DC 11 flat check first. All right, that's a six. That's gonna be a sick, dope, so chill. Cool, 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 cool. Uh, so that just like kills its action, and it lashes out with its jaws, but at nothing. Uh, all right, you're doing your best. Um, <laughs> that is the most passive-aggressive, awful thing. Uh, <laughs> doing your best over there. <laughs> you put that uh, picture on the got, fridge. You got this, buddy. yeah, big champ. Don't, don't worry about it, sports fan. Um, 
<laughs> Too lucky. I mean, you still have one more action though. If, you, if maybe, I don't know if it helps. I do not. Do you not? Okay. I thought it was. It's only two actions to summon. Oh, then three. Good. Sir. Oh, it's three to summon. Okay. That, okay, that makes sense. Uh, physic. Uh, physic moves ten feet west past a blinded tentacly wizard, <laughs> uh, and he will fire pretty much bl as blindly as the uh, blind wizard behind him into the northwest corner of the room. Suppressing fire! <laughs> Thank you, Cyril Figgis. That was a firefight! Uh, do you need a do you need a check oh, to be good, good to see that? Sorry, I, I think. Sorry, sorry. What were you doing? I got I got I got. Yeah, no. Caught up we, in the we wrapped up in our own. <laughs> I was firing blindly with an alchemical crossbow that also has alchemical uh, fire applied to it. Okay, you're firing into the far corner, more more or less per uh, Lady Gill's instructions. Yes. Uh, DC 11 flat check, please. 13. That's good. Roll me an attack roll. 24 to hit. That hits. <laughs> okay, one piercing damage. Okay. Which is not great. <laughs> But max damage on the fire, six fire damage. All right. Okay. You you managed to skewer this thing uh, briefly, uh, and make it, confirming that it is in fact in that corner. So, uh, it being invisible, but also being on fire, am I able to uh, attempt a recall knowledge on it? I mean, you could recall knowledge of, in general. Well, you've already seen it. You know, so. but let's do it. Thank you. <laughs> That's uh, oh, sorry, it's uh, it's be a nature check. I'll roll that for you. Uh, yeah, not a clue at all. I'm pretty sure it's invisible. <laughs> <laughs> Either that or I'm blind. <laughs> you did sort of roll a, a critical failure on that. Yeah, that's <laughs> but gross. Um, uh, that's my turn though. Okay, um, Tulak, you hear giggling and tittering behind you very similar to what you heard from this creature when you first walked into the room. I was um, writing things down in this book, annotating it. <laughs> right behind you. Okay. I would like to point out that the room, if it is behind me, that room is no longer bathed in light other than what's being produced by me. Uh, oh, yes. Thank you. That's fine. Shad's turn. Boy, howdy. Uh, Shad will take... Would it be difficult terrain to get, like, to take 10 feet uh, north, getting through these... Oh, like the chairs? It's pretty... Yeah, it's pretty tight. Yeah, I'd say it's difficult terrain, but it kind of doesn't really matter. You have loads, loads of movement, yeah. so yeah. So, anyways, yeah, he'll take 10 feet north and just start a poking with the rapier. Uh, no, actually, uh, one action to go north one action to faint mm -hmm. to the left. Also, I think you have the crossbow in your hand, don't you? Ooh, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah it's hand-crossbow right here. Combo, I think, right? No. I... Yeah, I think he's got crossbow in one hand, rapier in the other. Yeah. Like a like a solid Elden Ring player these days. <laughs> that's topical as fuck, listeners. <laughs> yeah, so he'll, he'll go north. Uh, he'll faint the invisible enemy if that's even a possibility yeah I mean roll me roll me your deception check 
It's 23 on deception. Okay. Is he fainted? Are you going for you're going for an attack? Uh, yeah, yeah. Now. All right. Run me the run me the flat check. 18. So I got it. Okay. Roll me an attack roll. Oh, 28 to hit. And you strike air. Fuck you, burn. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's uh, that's three actions. That's his turn. All right, Lady Gilda. Uh, first action will be deceit. Mm-hmm. Uh, in which you roll a secret perception against the uh, stealth DC. Um, yep, you got it. Just, just barely. Uh, it has moved to the southeast corner of the room. Oh. You just heard the flapping of these diaphanous wings, like, skitter around the room, and Shad didn't quite catch it. He just, like, zoomed in and, 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 and sta- fainted and stabbed and, and hit nothing. Uh, second action, she would like to blow that shock onto that square. Okay. So over physics head, which uh, yeah, shouldn't be an issue. That's kind um, of <laughs> Which will now uh, take it from a DC 11 to a DC 6. It's not going to be concealed, but it is still invisible. But yeah, yeah, you you can see that it's partially outlining that, that creature. Yeah, you could probably continually detect it where its movements at this point, at least for a short time. Okay, so would point out as a third action be valuable or no? Um, no, I think you're fine. Yeah, I think everyone can kind of tell now. Uh, then she will, with her third action, raise her shield. Okay, two lock. All right, Tulak will sustain the spell, keeping Festrog alive-ish. He will also cast Guidance onto Lady Gilda. Thank you. And then will recall knowledge on this thing. I believe you said it was nature. Correct. I will that. Okay. Um, you got a natural 20 for a DC 20. Yeah. Nice. Ooh, perfect. So I got plus zip on that. <laughs> yeah. This is a creature known as a lurker in light. They are extremely malicious and strange fey creatures. They are seldom found in the first world, however. They are more, more often found somewhere else, and they have a take particular umbrage with creatures that live in dark places like dwarves and gnomes and other places, uh, creatures of the dark lands. Um... So here you have found it sort of sitting and, and occupying its time in light in a dark place. Um, they are just sadistic and wicked and only known to understand, like their mischief and their slaughter is like an, a part of their alien intellect as far as the scholars are concerned. Um, it, it is it's just evil. It's neutral evil and it's it wants, wants to kill you all. Um, and you feel like there's not going not to be a whole lot you can do about that. Um, it is immune to blinded and weak to cold iron. Um, and it is, it's better off in the light. Okay. Tulak relays as much of that as he can quickly and commands the Festrog. Creature, take the light. And the Festrog will attempt to... I guess one action stride forward and second action try to jump up and grab said 
uh, chandelier and see if you can grab the uh, torch out of it. Okay. I think it's called a chandelier. Will you take a dex for that or is I that mean, easy? I think it can just like, yeah, I can hop up and just sort of like grab it. And, and I, I'm, I don't feel like going through too many rolls for that. But it, I think it'll take both both its actions to, gr- to get a hold of it for sure. Okay. Um, so the room is still illuminated, but it, the torch yes. is now in the hand of Feshrog. And that's you? That's it. All right, Physic? Well, uh, glad you pointed out that this thing was malicious. He would have had no idea otherwise. <laughs> He's just going to fire southward. So you need a uh, flat, flat check. I think I said DC6 earlier. I think it's actually DC5. DC5? Oh. Yeah, it's DC5. Okay. Yeah, uh, 10 on the flat check, so that Sweet. will be an attack roll with the alchemical crossbow. Mm-hmm. Natural 20. <laughs> nice. Hey, fuck yeah. 12. Physic has never performed this well in combat, ever. <laughs> 12 piercing damage. Okay. Uh, actually, let me double check the alchemical crossbow. I don't think I've gotten a crit with this thing before. Uh, it just says double damage, but... I don't know if that also applies to the alchemical item on it. I think it should. Probably should. I think it's you'd, fine. You'd imagine so. Would, yeah. Would you not? Yeah. You, okay, you, so you 12 more. piercing and 10 fire damage. Nice. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Big, hit. Big hit. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> you got it. Uh, he will then stride 10 feet west past the uh, shambling awful monster that had just risen up from the carpet. <laughs> and he will draw uh, a Bravo's brew. A Bravo's brew, okay. And top of the round, you have this chalk outline. Uh, Tulak, are you? Sorry, are you? Um, you emanating light right now? Yes. From what? Aeon stone with the light spell on it. And how, what's the radius on that? Uh, Thirty feet, I believe. Okay. For like bright and dim, or. Uh, sorry, one moment. It is bright light in 20 feet and dim light for the next 20 feet, just like a torch. Guild is uh, also so doing the same with her uh, compass. Yeah. Uh, you see a, um, a, this chalk outline of this, this, this winged creature, like, floating in I that space. You don't, obviously. Uh, and, uh, and including the chalk outline, it just vanishes simply gone the chalk and all some of the dust floats off into the air but the rest of it goes with it for some reason and somehow i like the idea that it leaves behind like a chalk outline of like a body from a murder scene (laughs) (laughs) and you'll have to investigate said chalk outline in the next episode Stemming the Tide is an actual play podcast of the Adventure Path Abomination Vaults and is produced by the Uncharted North Network. Stemming the Tide uses trademarks and or copyrights owned by Paizo Inc. used under Paizo's community use policy. We are expressly prohibited from charging you to use or access this content. Stemming the Tide is not published, endorsed, or specifically approved by Paizo. For more information about Paizo Inc. and Paizo products, visit paizo.com. Music is composed by Will Savino and artwork by Greyhood. Stemming the Tide is recorded remotely using Foundry Virtual Tabletop. If you wish to connect with us or support this project and projects to come, we can be found at unchartednorth.ca, patreon.com slash unchartednorth, and on all major social media platforms. 
Links to all credits can be found in the episode description and our website. Thanks for tuning in.